Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham, Scott alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, how you doing? Doing pretty good. A little tired today. Yeah, we had a big game last night. Uh, we were out late. Yeah, a little bit of a BS win, perhaps. I don't know. I, I, I yeah, I was thinking about it a little bit today <laughs> that we we played outplayed the team overall against yeah. whom we were playing. I had a few uh, BS misses that I would say <laughs> uh, in one end where, I, you know, it's that old thing of if I was trying to do that, I couldn't have done it. Yeah, and I picked out one of our own, but uh, came back. We stayed in the game, you know, heads down, mm-hmm. focused, put together a couple of good ends and pulled the win out at the end. So it was fun. Uh, sure. That's our f- first win in A, Sean. It was. Yeah. Well, you know what yeah. they say, as we always say on the show, curling is a game of runs and uh, we went on yeah. a 5-0 run to win the game. You know, skips deuces though, Scott, they are just part of the game. Not great when you have the hammer and the other team gets a skips deuce. That, that doesn't yeah. make you feel great. Yeah. But yeah. it happens. Uh, it's happened to us actually a couple times in the last few weeks, unfortunately. But again, as you say, overall, I think as a team, we played pretty well. You made the ones that mattered. And uh, we're in the winner's circle. There you go, right? Uh, make the ones that mattered. Uh, no no uh, pictures in the box score. So however you get there, you get there. Absolutely. And that is what Brad Gushu is saying today as well, as they are back on the rock, probably at least two of them, celebrating their fifth Briar Championship in the last seven years for Brad Gushu. I tweeted this on Sunday night. It's hard to believe that six years and a week ago, we were sitting around wondering, is Brad Gushu ever going to win a Briar as they were heading into that 2017 Briar there in St. John's? And now he has won five of the last seven, really in the midst of two dynasties here in Canadian curling. Carrie Anderson, obviously, on the women's side. Brad Gushu here on the men's side. Scott, broad strokes here to start it off. A back-to-back championship for Brad Gushu. First time a skip has won five as a skip. Of course, Furby holds the record with six total. Yep. But Gushu now with the skipping record. What do you make of the week? I think it played out pretty well how we thought it would. You know, we talked uh, on our preview about the, the top four and then a couple that maybe would have a chance uh, to get in there. We didn't uh, think about Northern Ontario uh, in that breath or may- maybe we did and just didn't mention it. But, you know, the four that were there at the end were sort of the right four based on how the week played out. You can, I guess we'll talk about Kevin Cooey later. Uh, Maybe you could argue uh, him and his team. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, nobody's saying, you know, oh, there's one outlier that snuck in that definitely didn't uh, belong there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a Christina Black out of nowhere type thing, right? Christina Black made the playoffs. It, it, depending on how you define makes make the playoff in this format, right. uh, Christina Black did make the playoffs last year, 
And then this year, obviously, getting to that 3-4 game, somewhat out of nowhere, though, a little bit, right? Uh, yeah. A team that's very good in building, but going into it, not a lot of attention on them. That wasn't necessarily the case for Mike McEwen. I think people were maybe not thinking they would make it into that four spot, but yeah. to get into those top three in the pool, I, I think that was a pretty reasonable expect- expectation for that team. Absolutely, yeah. You know, Mike uh, Skip, that's been in the Olympic trials finals. Uh, you know, you're never going to count uh, count him out. So overall, the week played out uh, pretty much like we thought. Uh, I believe I picked Brad Gushu to win. So that's, uh, you know, I heroes don't go out uh, you know, picking <laughs> picking randoms, right? So I picked Canada to win both the Scotties and the Briar and yeah. happened to be right this time. But uh, you're right. It's a dynasty. And. I talked on our last show about them having the edge going into the weekend because they had played with each other. At least three of them had played with each other before. Uh, And I really do think that was the difference in just being comfortable with each other, knowing how to read the ice and, and sort of make those adjustments in the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they were just had that edge and being a little more familiar. Well, it's interesting, right? Because if you look at the two games that they played on the weekend, both against Matt Dunstone Saturday night in the 1-2 game Sunday night in that final, you can potentially point... Now, this is not to say that they did not play very well because obviously they played extraordinarily well, but you can point to a couple tiny things that maybe you question Matt Dunstone on decision-making uh, or certainly on execution in, in one case, we'll, which we'll talk about in the final, where there is so little room. And this is, I think, a credit to both of these teams that when you look at the eighth end of the gold medal game and the 10th end of the 1-2 game, Matt Dunstone maybe missed two shots there by a combined centimeter if you add the two of them together. You know, he, he he missed by so little in those two occasions and lost both of those games on really those two yeah. shots. And that's just how even the two teams were throughout the course of those two games. There was a stat that Vic mentioned in the final that in Briar play, they were two and two against each other or four and four against each other. I think it must have been two and two against each other. And at the time... They were also tied in total score over those games, over the course of those games. So obviously they're playing each other very tight. It's really just this this tiniest thing. And for that to be true, for a very small thing to be the difference in a game, both teams have to play very, very well. And Gushu just got the better side of it in this one. And he does that a lot because he's really, really good. And going into it, like the opening weekend, they weren't great. They w- didn't have it all together. They were missing more than you would expect. But then Saturday night, Sunday night, Mark Nichols was Mark Nichols. Gushu was Gushu. And the front end guys, EJ Harnden, Brett Gallant, in terms of sweeping, I'm not sophisticated enough to know if one is necessarily better than the other. They're both very, very good. I'll let you pick, take the first pick, and I'll be fine with the second pick in that situation. So you're right. It's just a really good team top to bottom, and they played two exceptional games. Yeah, yeah, really, really good. And like you said, Sean, they, they took advantage of what few mistakes uh, the Manitoba team made, right, which wasn't very many. 
no. uh, and, and we're just able to capitalize. It was uh, pretty like textbook curling from Gushin. Yeah, so let's talk about one of those mis- potential mistakes in the eighth end of the final. This is a tie game, three to three, and I think most people, and I think probably even rightly, would look at Matt Dunstone's last shot that overcurls by a millimeter and gives Brad Gushu an intern hit for the three. And if Dunstone makes that shot, Gushu can blast it maybe for two, probably just has a shot for one. So it's fair to look at that shot. Mm -hmm. I'm more interested, though, in the shot before that shot where Dunstone is coming down. The situation is Brad Gushu is shot stone at one that's in the forefoot at like five o'clock ish, might be closer to six o'clock in that position. Matt Dunstone is second shot behind a corner guard at about 10 o'clock. And he's not quite frozen, maybe about a foot difference between him and a, a Gushu stone. And then there's one above that in the 12 foot around 11, 10 o'clock in that range. And Dunstone decides to come down, hit his own, and try to roll over. So you kill a Gushu stone and then have his shooter roll over in front of, or at least in the direction of shot stone. And then he is sitting two and three, and he's a little protected. The Gushu stone is behind the T-line. I have absolutely no problem with the call at all. It just overcurled on him. And... He rolls off, but not enough, leaves a relatively straightforward double that Brad Gushu is able to make, and that prompts the three in yeah. that situation. So for as much as you can look at the final shot, and yes, the final shot was off by just a little bit, it's that big weight one that you would expect Matt Dunstone to have. And again, he misses it by a millimeter because if it, the, with how hard he throws it, if it under curls just a little less he's getting that much more separation it's probably flatter or it's coming all the way into the shot stone or in front of the shot stone and gushu does not have that shot this sport is just so cruel sometimes Mm -hmm. but that's a shot that it's very much in matt dunstone's wheelhouse you expect him to make it and again the the quote-unquote miss i would love to miss that way by the way uh Mm -hmm. On the, on the last one, I don't think it's as consequential as the overcurl on the first one in the eighth end. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, the overcurl setting up that double, and it was like just enough to give yeah. uh, to let Gushu sit the three. Uh, I'm just watching the replay now. And he didn't even make a double, a full double. Like the second one didn't get over yeah. and out, but it got out enough yeah. uh, that the, they were able to sit three. And then, yeah, the... The Dunstone miss was very surprising because I thought, okay, he's got that double queued up, no big deal, mm-hmm. uh, but wasn't uh, wasn't to be. No. So an unfortunate turn of events there in the eighth end for Matt Dunstone. That's the difference. They do get a two back in the ninth and then force Gushu to draw against the loss potentially in the 10th end, which I thought yep. was a pretty good feat for them. You would expect that Gushu would probably have to draw against the tie, but to have him be drawing against the win, it's not really much better you can do in a 10th end. No, exactly. And it's, you know, drawing the forefoot 
at the end of a long game through a pretty tight hole. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like it was a free side or anything. He did have yeah. to navigate a port mm-hmm. and, uh, and make it. So weight had to be good. Sweepers had to know the path, especially at that time of the game. You know, Team Dunstone did all they could do. Yep. Uh, Madam Self shot 88%. Like, it, it, they played well. It was that one little miss. And I, I was just watching again, Sean, Matt Dunstone's last in eight. Like, as he was rolling over towards the shot rock, it looked like it just took one of those little gear turns yeah. right at the gear. end. Boom. Okay, drink. Um Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh the sh- maybe the sharpness of the rocks in that instance really just came back to bite him because it looked like it was yeah. rolling right on the onto the stone and then just took a little turn so yeah. uh some bad luck in addition yeah. to a little bit of an under or over curl so yeah. which it's just really too bad too because if you go to the 10th end on saturday night matt dunstone's mm-hmm. last he elects to hit his own stone in the back of the forefoot. Gushu's shot stone in the front of the forefoot. Dunstone has to make a very precise nose hit. We talked about mm-hmm. this last week. We were like, oh, nose hits. And like, yeah, they're two round objects. That's really hard to do. And uh, Dunstone undercurls in that case. So Saturday night, he misses on an undercurl. Sunday night, he misses on overcurls in the eighth end. Just this, and again, combined probably the, the three shots a centimeter total like the shot this game is just so mean sometimes to you uh and he might have overthrown the one saturday night a little bit a little bit yeah compared to what they had said for weight but that that was an interesting one too scott because i watched it back today that the 10th end i think maybe he could have picked the gushu stone out he played on the mm. intern side. If you throw something hard-ish, like an easy peel on the outturn side, the other side of the sheet, maybe he could have picked it across the top of his own because there was enough space. Yeah. And again, given Matt Dunstone's strength, maybe that was the call, but he saw that hit right away. Like, yeah. right, First thing he saw, like this, I like this, I'm going to make this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the first thing he saw, and so in that in that case, you want to go with uh, the skip's gut, right? Yeah, and uh, and, and there's no that. there's nothing in his way there too. The pick, you got to worry about guards and and all that. Like this mm-hmm. was just an open mm-hmm. hit, and uh, yeah, just didn't get it done. So for Matt Dunstone and his team, obviously a very good showing. They only lost to Brad Gushu. They beat everybody else who they played. So a solid, solid week and a solid performance for them and moving forward you gotta like their chances oh yeah big time uh we'll we'll talk about what the future of canadian high performance curling is in in a little bit and i'm sure we'll talk about that a lot over the next year or so uh matt dunstone is sort of what i would say is the horse to bet on Mm -hmm. uh if you're curling canada and looking to keep going and invest at the men's level this is this is your guy and I'll say too, the Dunstone family is good TV. They, you know, yeah. Matt Dunstone is an expressive guy. We've seen that before. And we now know, if uh, at least I didn't know this before, I, I don't think they had shown his family as much mm-hmm. in past events as they did this weekend. He uh, certainly gets it honestly. And yeah. his, his family was very entertaining. And 
again, it's it's awful that it was in a, a bad moment for him, but he had the exact same reaction to the final shot in the 10th then Saturday night on the ice as his dad did in the crowd in the crowd yeah. and uh, his grandmother was there like reaching out grabbing people as it's coming down like that's good cv unfortunate for them that that was a negative moment or not the most positive of moments but uh, sunday afternoon when they won that uh, semifinal, you got to see that the positive side of the expressiveness of that family yeah yeah absolutely um very fun to watch yeah. And uh, speaking of family, we should mention that the Harndons did play against each other. They, of course, have won a Briar together. They've won an Olympic gold medal together. Played against each other in a Briar final. Really cool moment with their father afterwards. Uh, very emotional for the two of them to play against each other. And Scott, we've never played each other in an actual game before. Mm-hmm. No. And you know, yeah, you're my brother. I want you to do well in life. But I also choose to believe that if we were playing against each other, I would figuratively want to step on your throat and beat you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was thinking about this today because I, I just watched uh, Saturday Night Live with Travis Kelsey okay. hosting. And I was like, who got more pl- like plugs about brother against brother? Was it the Kelsey brothers in the Super Bowl or was it the Hardens <laughs> in the Briar final? I'm not sure which one was said more <laughs> on air, but a yeah. uh, really cool thing uh, to watch. Obviously, Ryan even getting emotional, like at the presser after yeah. the, the semifinal, right? Pretty cool to, to see that, but you're right. Yeah, Sean, I would uh, want to uh, destroy you and be yeah. the one buying you a beer after the game. That's right. Play to win the yeah. game. You know. Play to win the game. It can be we could be family after the game. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but a very very cool moment there for the Harndons. Somebody threw out I, I can't remember who it was, but somebody threw out on Twitter that they should invite uh, Ryan Harden to be the fifth for the Worlds, mm. uh, which would be a, a cool thing to have him there. I don't know if they would because potentially you want someone who is experienced in multiple positions to be a fifth in that spot. Yeah. But I would venture a guess that Ryan Harnden and, and Mr. Harnden will make an appearance in Ottawa at some point during the week. I, I would think so. Did, did Gushu's team have a fifth or no? I, they I had Flaxy so. with them. I don't know if he was listed as the coach or the alternate. Yeah, he was their coach. Okay. So, eh, anyway. Well, Brad Gushu, you know, he demonstrated last year. He doesn't need no fifth. Yeah, you can play with three, right? Yeah. <laughs> so... Another couple of things here, Scott, from the playoffs, both in the 1-2 game and then again in the semifinal. We saw teams blank multiple ends to take the hammer into the 10th. So Dunstone blanked 7-8-9 on Saturday night. Botcher blanked 8-9 and nine on Sunday afternoon to hold the hammer into the 10th. Both of them lost. And this is the first year with the tick rule or the no tick rule, I guess I should say. Yeah. How much do you think that factored in? Obviously there's going to be statistical anomalies here and there, and it's certainly better to have the hammer than not have the hammer in a tie game. But it is just curious to think that if that math changes from, you know, 95% or whatever it was down to 
say uh, like let's go crazy and say it gets down to even 60 percent maybe that changes the way people approach the end game leading into the 10th end it it might do yeah it might uh behoove somebody to you know keep the hammer or, or or give up the hammer for a lead early but in this case both of those teams were tied right uh so they wanted to keep the hammer when they're tied into that 10th end if they were down one i i think it might have been a different story but all that said looking at the way those 10th ends played out both of the teams that had the hammer had a chance to win they had shots so as much as the no tick rule might have given them you know stuff in play uh, that maybe they wouldn't have had they might have been you know able to tick things over and have a bit of a an more open last shot uh, both of them did have what i'd say pretty makeable shots to to win right botcher had a draw was just light it wasn't an easy draw but it it was a a draw to yeah. to win and uh dunstone we talked about already with that uh sort of uh, easy board weight uh nose hit so I, I don't know if that's enough to move the needle this that's more results oriented but the if you look at the process the process was correct in that they had shots that they felt comfortable about to win the game yeah i i think that's true i think dunstone was in a tougher spot than botcher was saturday yeah. night to sunday afternoon and yeah you just don't expect brendan botcher to miss a draw that much I mean, he missed it by five or six feet which if i miss a draw by five or six feet great having yeah. a good night but uh, yeah, yeah you don't uh, you don't expect that from brendan botcher especially with those two guys sweeping for him yeah. so yeah we don't have enough information on it certainly mouth to see but i think what was also surprising about the botcher one is that they'd made such a big deal all week about how the ice was so good at being at holding up through the mm-hmm. course of these games that it wasn't slowing down the way you normally see and then he comes up short uh, again in a spot you wouldn't expect him to so well, that's something to monitor moving forward if the yeah. end game math changes a little bit if because it seems like they're starting to think in the seventh eighth end already about maybe let's start blanking and maybe that math changes to okay maybe we'll just really want to score in eight because we know we can force in nine or sort of thing or um, you know it, it'll just be interesting to see how this affects end game strategy mm-hmm. speaking of brendan botcher a bronze medal finish for them in their first briar together played really well scott the only note i had from the three four game and i don't mean this is a slight to team ontario and mike McEwen. i never felt that they could win that game once it started and that's because I'm more convinced now than ever that Mark Kennedy might be a robot. Yeah, yeah. Mark Kennedy uh, was pretty effing good in that game, making hits and rolls to like exact perfect spots. There yeah. was well, even the one that he it was like a accidental triple. Yeah. Uh, no that, double. No, the accidental double to the freeze. Yeah, the double to the freeze. That's it. That yeah. was insane. Yeah, because it it just hit like the exact right way to come back, and then boom, glued on the rock. And at that point, what can you do but shake your head, right? Yeah. Uh, just yeah, this this guy, uh, his curling robot skills should not be denied. I thought the team McEwen they stayed in it, and they were mm-hmm. in it for longer than I thought they would be. 
getting some misses, I'd say, uh, out of out of Brendan Botcher. But uh, yeah, uh, at the end of it, uh, it was just too much. And uh, Ryan Fry announced today that he's uh, he's stepping away from that team McEwen. So we'll see what happens with those those guys next year and see what the future for them will be. Yeah, because obviously they already had the change with Jonathan Buke no longer being on the team and Joey Hart stepping in. The other thing, I think one of the reasons they were in that game, though, despite how well Mark Kennedy was playing, is that Brent Lang was playing on his head, too. Yeah. Uh, he was remarkable he was in that really game. Good. So that was a, a really fun game. But, yeah, it just felt to me that Kennedy was just in control of the game the whole time and wasn't going to let Mike McEwen win that day. And uh, he did not let Mike McEwen win that day, but yeah, good run for McEwen. Good run for Botcher first year together at a briar. You'd certainly expect them to be in the mix moving forward. And another team that you would expect to be in the mix moving forward, Kevin Cooey. They finish second in their pool. They lose. The seeding game on Friday afternoon to the aforementioned Mike McEwen and are eliminated. Now, this actually brought up not even a debate. I didn't engage with it. I debated it in my head. Mm -hmm. Did Kevin Cooey make the playoffs? Statistically, this actually potentially not matters, but it's, it's an interesting stat. Did they make the playoffs? Yeah, uh, I guess you'd have to say no, right? Uh, depends what your definition of playoffs is, and I guess like if you think of the lot, the top four are in the playoffs, then yeah, like if I go to uh, Tim Hortons, Briar standings draw, and I click playoffs, well, I guess they're in it. They're, they're in, in the, the playoffs qualification. Yeah, that counts as the playoffs for Curling Canada. They missed the page portion of the playoffs, but mm. I would say they were in the playoffs. Okay. I so mean, what if, it's does it a, if it's a single elimination game, it's a playoff. Yeah. Quite literally, it is like you're playing off. <laughs> it's also postseason, if you will, if you want mm. to go with that, uh, that route. No, it was just uh, about is it fair, potentially, for a team to have only lost two games and then be out before the page portion of the playoffs. I would say, independent of who it is, that, yeah, it is fair that yeah, that's the format. This is the playoffs. Like, If you want to just say round robin and top record wins, I'm okay. I'm, I'm not sure. going to be upset with that. I think you could make a very strong argument that that actually gets you the best team each year and is a better way to decide if you want the absolute best team to go through but you could also go through completely undefeated and then lose matt dunstone only lost two games over the course of the week if he had won saturday night lost sunday night he would have only lost one game like that's sort of the way it works and this is another pet pv thing that i have with sports fans where they're saying and this comes up in the nhl discussion with the format of the playoffs you're like oh well you don't want to play that team in the first round who cares when you play them you're gonna have to beat them if you want to win like yeah. you do it now you do it later who effing cares just go out and win and if you lose in the portion of the schedule that is the playoffs that is an elimination game then you lost and you're out 
So I don't feel too, too bad for anyone who loses in that seeding game. I don't like that we go from an elimination game to Friday Fun Fest where they're not elimination games, just narratively. I don't like that. But I, I, I don't feel too bad that there's an elimination game immediately after the round no. robin play particularly because that's how it's going to be at the worlds that's how it is at the olympics that's how it is at every other event so it it you know if you took away the friday fun fest yeah it's probably a little better narratively mm-hmm. to have that just be an elimination game but i don't know it just it, it's just something that came up and i was like yeah he made the playoffs and he lost it's not it's not that big a deal yeah so if you eliminate Friday night and put, say, the 3-4 game or the 1-2 game Friday night so that everybody's on the ice for the same amount of time, right? Yeah. And then I think that's what they used to do is have the, 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 the semifinal or the 3-4 the game and then the semifinal on Saturday yeah. and then do Sunday afternoon final. Yeah, back um, in the CBC days. Yes, that would be the other way to do it. I think, Sean, something we'll talk about in the summer is uh, format ideas for uh, these national championships. We'll brainstorm. We'll, you know, uh, go out to the rest of the curling uh, community and see what see what everyone thinks and try to come together with what's the best format. Because like you say, it's not great, but we can't think of anything better right now. So, yeah, with the caveat of being better for me, including... Not making this longer, because yeah. I think it's long enough. Not losing any revenue for yeah. the event either. And if you were to, say, have a draw the Saturday morning, and then say, okay, well, we're going to either expand the playoffs or have a little championship pool. You could have the top three go through. You play the three teams from the other pool that have gone through. The problem with that is you're sacrificing any opportunity for tiebreakers. Yeah. Or you're losing Thursday night as a draw if there's no tiebreakers, which you don't really want to do that. And then no. you'd have to play potentially three games on Friday or you're finishing the championship pool Saturday morning, which you really don't want to do that either. Again, there's no time for tiebreakers. So in terms of the logistics of it, you don't want to do that because we, we, I don't want to go back to the days where the round robin finished on Friday morning. <laughs> like, yeah. That was awful when that was the case. Yeah. So. You know, you, you want a scenario where, yes, the, the teams are treated as fairly as possible. And yes, ideally, it's a perfectly fair system, which I understand the, the case that this is not entirely fair. But at the same time, it is partly a TV show and a, a revenue generating device for Curling Canada. And those factors have to be taken into account while also recognizing that Curling Canada, I don't think... And this is not something that anyone from Curling Canada has ever said to me, but they're not really rooting for upsets either. Mm-hmm. Like they, they want a system that if you get rid of the page, like the page offers a little bit of protection potentially against the super upset from happening because they want whoever's going to go represent Canada at the world championship to be one of, if not the best team. Yeah. Yeah. So Right. The, if, if the system is in place the way we have it now, all of those things have to be considered. Okay. So I'm not crazy about this format for the playoffs, but I can't think of a better one 
given the parameters uh, that I think exist. Yeah. So again, like we'll, uh, we'll put our thinking hats on and do our best to come up with something better in the summer when we don't have anything else to think about. There you go. And just on Kevin Cooey, I think they had a, a really good week for them. Kevin Cooey managed to finish at least one game with more than a minute left. So Mm -hmm. Uh, I assume he was taken immediately to hospital for evaluation after that, just to make sure everything was, was okay. But he also threw one with under five seconds left. So yeah, he's going to do that. So good week for them. Tyler Tardy certainly did not look out of place. No, he was a second team all-star this week. Yeah. was uh, the second or third uh, highest skip, I guess second, if you're on the second team, uh, vice skip rather. Uh, Yeah. No, they uh, they were fine. Tyler Tardy is going to be uh, one of these next standard bears for the the next say twelve years uh, going forward. So, yeah, good for yeah. Sprier. And another team or individual, at least that might be part of that group, is Tanner Horgan, his Northern Ontario team. They come through only losing to the teams that were ahead of them uh, in the mm-hmm. pool play, and then lost on. Friday afternoon to Brendan Botcher. That game kind of got out of hand a little early. TSN stuck with it the whole time. Interesting choice. Didn't bother me. I understood why they did it. But this team, Scott, it's hard to believe sometimes that Darren Molding was excused from Team Botcher. Now, the the lineup that Brendan Botcher has now, no one's going to argue with that lineup. It's a very, very good lineup. But Darren Molding is just such a positive person, and at least on the ice, I've never met him outside of a curling context. He just has a personality that makes you, or makes me as a viewer, be like, "Yeah, I'd like to play with that guy." No, I, I don't think you're wrong, Sean. It's, uh, yeah, it's hard to say like, oh, he he didn't fit on our team because, yeah, uh, because he was like a, a negative presence, right? So yeah like you say not going to argue with the team that he's that he's put together but uh molding acquitted himself really well i was thinking oh is this going to be a bit awkward seeing them uh in the house against each other but no i think you know they buried everything and uh it's all good and you know darren sort of let let his curling do the talking this week uh, and he had a really really good week so yeah one one of the good good players what's going to happen next uh with tanner horgan in that rink who knows with Colin Hodgson uh, sitting down for a while. What happens to Darren? Does he, you know, try to find another another team in Alberta, or you know, continue as the curling troubadour, wandering the <laughs> the country? Have Broom will play third. Well, you know, Adam Casey, I don't think ever has gotten his uh, Northern Ontario <laughs> jersey mm. yet. He's uh, he's lingering out there, uh, and he will also travel for uh, for opportunity as we have seen. I think for as much as I, I would joke about that, I I kind of like Adam Casey on that team. Uh, if that were to come together, that that is something I was thinking through the week because Colin Hodgson had announced at the start of the week that he was done. Was, so I'm trying to think like who would be a good fit on that team, and I, I just kept thinking Casey would be a good fit because. Mm-hmm. Jacob Horgan and Tanner Horgan aren't super vocal out there. Hodgson is. He's he's chatting all the time. Darren is chatting all the time. And that was kind of Casey's thing, or is Casey's thing too out there. He likes to chat a lot. 
I, I don't know if it was a little harder for him with Gunner because that's how Gunner is too. And but between the two of them, they were always going. And I, I just thought that could be an interesting mix for them if that were to be an option. Yeah, it could be interesting. Yeah, and sort of while we're on it, Sean uh, Jacob Horgan had himself a week. Yeah, he uh, was plus six on the week, tops amongst the seconds, cumulative average shooting percentage of eighty six for a briar rookie who's like 22 or something pretty good yeah uh, you're not going to be upset about that uh did a, just get, did a good job sweeping too i, I thought his yeah. sweeping was really good yeah. i just got back to to the botcher and molding thing there was a moment in that game friday afternoon someone had touched a rock or or something that happened yeah and they, had to, they had to put it back and Darren was saying to the official something like, oh, I think it was second shot. And I think it matters that if it was second shot. Yeah. And then he he looks back and he's, he says something to Brandon Botch. He's like, yeah, Brandon, I just don't want to take it. Just I want, we want to make sure. Like, And I thought that would have been a funny moment in jest for Brendan Botcher just to be like, eh, I don't trust you, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> like kind of lean into it, you know. <laughs> um, he chose not to. He chose to go pure class. A little different from how I would have done it. <laughs> so yeah, he's he he's not uh, full heel turning uh, just yet. But yeah, uh, yeah uh, missed opportunity. <laughs> but yeah, overall, really good week for Tanner Horgan again for two rookies as principals on that team. A very uh, solid performance for them. So you look at those six playoff teams. Really great weeks. They were the class of the field. Three losses was too many in the pool play. And those six just really equated themselves quite well. The top four were still a step ahead of the other two, but it was, uh, you know, the cream really rose this week in London. Absolutely. So last thing, Sean. One more. I Just one other quick note oh, yeah. before we get to the last thing, Scott. We, we've mentioned along the way, Hodgson announced before the Briar started, he's going to step away. Fry announced today, Tuesday, as we record this, that he is going to step away. Made it sound like a retirement type of a post. I wish them both well if they are, in fact, <laughs> stepping away. But we have seen so many of these stepping away statements where people have come back. And I haven't talked to either of them, so I don't know. But I am just eternally skeptical about the pure step away at this point, particularly just the way the Olympic cycle works and the changes that can be made and have been made leading into an Olympic year. And the other reason I might be slightly skeptical, uh, two words for you there, Scott, uh, Mike Fournier. Yeah, it, it's never over till uh, <laughs> till it's over. These, these guys are curling junkies, so we'll see if it uh, if it crops up again. Yes, but of course, if this is the end of the line for them at the elite four person level, uh, both of them have been very good players for a long time, wonderful careers, and we wish them the best in their post elite curling lives. Absolutely, absolutely, we do. All right, now let's get to our final point here, Scott, and that is that David Murdoch, the new high-performance leader, I don't know, what is the title, director? Whatever. Uh, (laughs) High-performance guy at Curling Canada, was there in London taking in all the action, did a short session with the media over the course of the week, but mostly I think was there to observe. And that, of course, brings the question of, we know this is the last Tim Hortons briar, 
is this going to be the last briar under this format with all of the member associations represented? Is it the last one where the world championship representative comes out of the briar? There's just a lot of questions in the air. I would say, Scott, I, I'm, I'm a thousand percent sure this is not the first time that David Murdoch had been to a briar. Yeah. But obviously the first time in this capacity, the crowd was great. Uh, morning draws at yeah. people. Like it, it was great. The kids with the signs, uh, very good. The trading mm-hmm. Skittles. And then he, whatever his Nestor one was, he was like, hey, inflation, uh, where he wanted more stuff. Uh, that was great. Uh, the kid with the sign that said school is important, but curling is importanter. Like, <laughs> really good. Just really good job, London, uh, for yeah. all of it. Uh, a little rowdy on Friday night, it sounded yeah. like. And yeah. So, you know, a, a few breaches of, of etiquette, if you will, but... Oh, Sean, it's the Friday Fun Fest, right? Friday Fun Fest, who cares? So, yeah. uh, But overall, really good job for London. And I think it's good that David Murdoch saw what appeared to be a very good briar on the peripherals of it. Obviously, we all know what happened on the ice, but everything around it looked great. For him to see that within the context of his new job, recognize that it's, to me at least, the Briar, the Scotties, is not just about determining who is Canada's world championship rep. It, it goes beyond that, and there's a significance and importance to some core aspects of it. I'm okay with some changes. It doesn't need to be exactly what it is now. We've seen changes sure. to it. Well, but there, I, I think there's just certain core elements that are necessary for these two events I like to make fun of the Vic essay sometime, which by the way, he didn't do at the end of the briar, mm-hmm. but there is something about the fabric of this sport in this country and the tradition of it that matters a little bit. And I, I would hate to see that taken apart too much in pursuit of gold medals or, or perception that it would make Canada more competitive for gold medals. So I don't know what this brings, but what did you think, Scott, while they were showing David Murnock sitting there? He was like just looming over everything, <laughs> like a sword of Damocles. Oh, man, I can't wait to <laughs> be in charge of your high performance system. And uh, his, his title, Sean, by the way, is Director High Performance. Oh, so, wow, that's that's a pretty cool title. Uh, just it, it's it was there as like what is high performance curling in Canada going to look like? Are they going to take a a Scottish curling model, which if you're hiring David Murdoch, I don't know why you would be doing anything different. Sure. Uh, And sponsoring a certain number of athletes to go and train together, form teams out of those athletes. If you tell them, Hey, you're, you're a high performing performance curler you live in Ottawa now and train at the RA center full time. You don't have any residency issues with that, or you live in Edmonton, you're training at the saddle. That's your job. It sort of takes the residency requirement out of consideration. And so, so this is what we all expect. Yeah. What's going to be interesting is what the pushback will be like from the athletes. I don't know why Brad Gushu would, agree to like be part of that uh, kind of a system. 
you can say, Hey, I've got, uh, five Briar titles, uh, on, on my chest, right. Five, uh, and bring on the, the all pro teams, form your pro teams and come at me because, uh, I got the crown and I'm not going away (laughs) until, until you take it. Yeah, he could he could do the Patrick Waugh where he says, I don't hear what David Murdoch says because I got my two Olympic medals in my ears. In my ears, yeah. <laughs> like he could do he could do that. But you know, it was interesting to note that if Brad Gushu hadn't won, either Jeff Walker would have had to have actually moved to St. John's instead of the pretending that he was going to last year. Yeah. Or EJ Harden would have had to move to St. John's or the team would have had to break up. So yeah. their winning certainly delays any movement on that front and is probably going to outlive whatever the current residency rules are, them being mm-hmm. Team Canada. So that is set to the side. You know, Scott, what they very could well could do is just say top five teams on CTRS rankings, the residency rules no longer apply to you. But everybody else, they still do apply. I see no problem with them just singling out the top five within the CTRS points. I, I wonder if they've tried that before. Yeah, it, it, I don't foresee any issues with that. Yeah, no way. So yeah, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't at all envy David Murdoch's job. No, like it's. I, so hard. What his, his title would be to cool to, to have. His title would be cool to have because that sounds pretty cool. But doing sure. the actual work, no, no, uh, yeah, yeah, not great. No, so he's got to set up a system that is going to satisfy various constituencies while at the same time recognizing that those two events fund so much stuff. Yeah, that yeah. without those revenue generators it'd be yeah okay maybe you want something like what they have in perth but then the financial model of curling canada fundamentally changes and can you actually financially support that without the briar scotties being the big revenue generators that they are who knows at the same time too he does have to think about the juniors right both junior teams did relic or were relegated this year at the world juniors. So that's something to consider when they moved the world juniors or, or excuse me, the Canadian juniors to the spring, there was concerns and the pandemic has certainly disrupted this transition, but the early returns have not been particularly positive for curling Canada on the world junior stage. And certainly that some of that is circumstantial that other teams are, very very good and things happen and you can lose games sometime but that is going to be a point of concern as well so a lot of moving parts for david murdoch to think about and it's uh, certainly going to give us something to talk about more things we have so much to talk about in the summer now yeah definitely lots to talk about uh, going forward so yeah we'll we'll see how the players react what what the plan actually is before you know we've sort of decided what we think it will be yeah, uh, let's see what the, what the plan actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, see how the players react to it, and uh, go from there. Right? Maybe they'll just uh, fifty team Briar Scotties last from November first to January thirty first. Uh, well, fifty. Let's just say uh, sixty four. Do it March Madness style. March Madness One style. Game a week. Yeah. There you go. One game a week held in four regions across the country. 
Yeah. Uh, put put them in pods. I like it. All right, let's do it. We just saw Curling Canada. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's going to be a lot to talk about and still a lot to come up this curling season. We still have world championships to get through a couple more grand slams as well so please do subscribe if you have not yet to follow along with the rest of the season and what is going to be a very eventful off season wherever you get your pods likes rates comments all that good stuff helps other people find the show you can head on over to gameofstonespod.com all past episodes are there under the episode tab our new merch store is up and running i placed an order and it was already shipped. I placed it on Sunday just after the final. This is Tuesday. It has shipped. I haven't gotten it yet. Scott, behind you, I can see the cap on your couch there. Yes. The the dad hat is there. I got a couple of the mugs. We have a glossy mug, the enamel mug. I got another hoodie because obviously I need another one for reasons. So I am very excited to, uh, to get the stuff. And I'm... I like the way the new store looks, so I uh, do head on over to check that one out. Yeah, go check it out uh, and let us know if there's anything that uh, we don't have that you'd like. Uh, that dad hat there, Sean, uh, is actually for our dad. So uh, Nice. Yeah. It's Apt a literal, literal dad hat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can follow along with everything we got going on social media at Game of Stones Pod, Twitter and Instagram, Game of Stones Podcast on Facebook, Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com if you want to reach out. Do head on over to the Instagram page and check out Twitter. We are going to extend our giveaway for the Elsa Craig print. We're going to extend it until next Monday, which is the 20th of March. Am I right yes. on this, Scott? On the 20th of March, Canada plays Scotland at the Women's World Championship. And I thought, what better time to draw the winner than after that game against Scotland? So that's what we'll be doing. Go check out our Instagram, at GameStonesPod on on Instagram. And uh, I'll be boosting that so it's at the top of our profile. Uh, Pinning it at the top of our profile. Go check it out. It's uh, it's a pretty cool print. Uh, I actually have it on my dining room table now it uh, goes quite nicely with the tulips that we had there so oh nice very very spring-like yeah exactly yeah and so we're extending that because we didn't put it up as early as we wanted to so we want to make sure everybody has enough time to uh, look at that enter into the giveaway and again we are going to cover the cost of getting it to you so that uh, is not a concern yeah there's there's no cost to you so sean if anybody uh, wants to take a look at daniel's website uh, I will be seeing him uh, next week, so uh, in person. So, you know, you see something that uh, maybe catches your eye, uh, let me know about it and let him know about it. And, uh, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll see what we can do to help move that along. Yeah, and I'll put his website down in the show notes, too, if you want to uh, just click on over and see all the work he's got going on Great. there. So, uh, so there you have it. So with that, congratulations to Brad Gushu. We'll see him in just over two weeks here in Ottawa for the 2023 World Curling Championship. Before that, our attention turns to Sweden for the Women's World Curling Championship. And that's what we will talk about later this week when we join you again. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final...